Hello again, friends. This is Mike. Today's podcast will be one of the shorter Tuesday ones, but I want to give a shout out today to General of the Army, Omar Bradley, whose birthday is today, February 12th. Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where my goal is to help you with questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul, and particularly to help other left brain types like I am ask the right questions in our search for deeper meaning to life. Ultimately, I want to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and smothering paradigms. So today's podcast, this isn't about uh, mediums or it isn't about ghosts or spirits or spirituality today. Not not too much. I, I just want to share something that happened and helped create me as the left brainer I am. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to meet General Omar Bradley. Yes, I am kind of that old. And Bradley has always been a fascination of mine. Of course, I saw the movie Patton back in the day. It's funny, when I saw the movie Patton, at the time, I was a young armor commander in uh, Germany. And all all of the uh, tank lieutenants and captains back then, you know, we all thought we were mini Pattons. And we loved the movie Patton, of course. But I remember watching it with a group of other officers and their wives. And in those days, I won't tell you how long ago this was, but in those days, you know, the gentleman that was showing it had rented one of those big VCR machines. And the movie was the size of, uh, you know, a small notebook. And he put it in this machine, and it, pl- it was awesome. We, we loved it. So, But Bradley has, has always been someone I admired. And for those of you that know who General Omar Bradley is, that's awesome. For those of you that don't, he was a very famous general in the, in the American Army, but he went to West Point in 1911. He's from a little hard scrabble place in Missouri, and he was very poor. He was raised dirt poor. He worked as a boilermaker, I think, as a young person, and uh, was going to go to the University of Missouri, and someone talked him into applying for the entrance exam to the United States Military Academy. Things were done a little bit differently back then. He, he came in second in the exam, but the guy that placed first was unable to go to West Point. And so uh, Omar Bradley showed up at West Point in, uh, I guess it was uh, July of, or yeah, July of uh, 1911. Anyway, his career, as is described there, was he was primarily an athlete and then a student. <laughs> so his, his athletic pursuits, his, his student pursuits, or his pursuits as a, uh, as someone in college there suffered from the fact that he was such a good athlete. He was captain of all the teams and everything when he was in high school. When he got to West Point, he was an outstanding baseball player. And just a little story about his baseball team, the West Point baseball team of, of uh, let's see, he graduated in 1915. So this was the team of 1914, 1915. He was, he was so good that he played semi-professional baseball and he would. He got permission to leave the academy. I guess back then things were a little different, but he was able to go playing games. But he was careful never to get paid because he didn't want to lose his ability to play for the military academy. But uh, he received many offers to become a professional baseball player, and baseball was, you know, bigger than football back then. Many offers to become a professional baseball player, and he turned them down to go into the army. What's interesting about that baseball team is. Every single person that was on that baseball team that stayed in the Army became a general. 
His class, the class of 1915, is sometimes called the class that the stars fell on, meaning generals, stars. And so Bradley was a famous general from that class. Uh, some of the other ones that you might recognize are obviously uh, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, James Van Fleet. Uh, but every every I think they had 59 generals from his class became 59 cadets became generals, which which is an amazing statistic. I think they only had 164 men in that class. So he he went on to a lot of great wonderful things. He uh, eventually ended up in charge of uh, many large organizations in the army during World War II. He was uh, he took over for Patton in North Africa. I'm not going to go through his whole career, but, you know, especially if you've seen the movie Patton, he starts out working for Patton, and then towards the end of the movie, Patton's working for him. But his genius and his ability was recognized by Eisenhower, and he wound up uh, eventually uh, as a four-star general, and then he was promoted to five-star later on in his career. He was only one of five soldiers in the United States Army history who ever received five stars. Eisenhower was one, and Bradley was the last one to receive his fifth star. So what that meant for him was he was on active duty. <laughs> he was he never came off active duty, even though he kind of retired. I guess you could say he he left. I think in the fifties, being you know working in the army every day, but he stayed on active duty as a five star general. So his career in the army, I think it was sixty nine years, is the longest career of anybody that's ever been in the army on active duty. So the reason I bring this up is I I met Bradley in um, it was the summer of 1976, and I was at I was at West Point, and we were finishing dinner one night, and I was part of the staff there for that kind of led what you know what was going on in the summertime. I was what's called a regimental. I was the the adjutant for Beast. For those of you who know what that means, I, I was the the kind of the S one or the personnel officer for. Uh, for everything that happened that summer. That was the summer, by the way, that women came into West Point for the first time. 1976, the class of 81 came in, and man, that was, <laughs> I should do a separate separate podcast about that or a separate book about that, uh, about when women first came into the military academy. But anyway, uh, we were standing at dinner formation, and dinner formation at West Point, there's this beautiful plain, uh, large grassy area, and you know, the flag is, is uh, lowered and uh, all these different kind of things happen and everybody marches into the mess hall. And somebody came up to us, the staff, you know, we went in last usually after everybody else went in. And we were standing there, and there was probably six or seven of us, and the commander for Beast, uh, a classmate of mine named Pete Selleck, was there. And somebody came up to Pete and said, uh, Mr. whatever, Mr. Selleck, do you want to meet General Omar Bradley. <laughs> and Pete's like, what? Um, and they said, yeah, General Bradley's here. He's been watching the formation and everything you guys just did. He'd like to know if, uh, you know, if you'd like to say hello. And of course, Pete said, you know, not only yes, but hell yes. And so the six or seven of us walked along the, the front apron there of the plane over to, to another area. There was actually a statue of Patton, which was there uh, at, at the end of the plane. And Bradley was sitting there in a wheelchair. And at that time, uh, he was his second wife was with him, and she was behind him, and he had a kind of a blanket on him. And he looked, you know, he looked pretty old, <laughs> but sharp as a tack. And 
he asked us how things were going, asked us kind of what we thought about women, because that was the hot topic for the for that time at West Point, what we thought about the women. And we chatted probably for, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes, uh, just kind of General Bradley asking questions and Pete mostly doing the talking as the, as the lead commander for us. But it was just an experience I'll never forget. And I didn't realize how fortunate I was. You know, sometimes things happen and you don't really understand what impact they have on you. But, you know, he left. General Elmore Bradley died in, uh, I think, 1981, April of 81. And at the time, I was at Fort Knox, Kentucky, and uh, uh, headed to Louisiana. And I think he was at Fort Fort Bliss or Fort Hood when he died. And uh, there was always a, a team that was on standby to go to his funeral. So, like, the Army knows that he's going to die, and so they have a team of soldiers that are prepared to deploy at a moment's notice to go and take care of his funeral and, and do the uh, the ceremonies and marching and all that jazz. And, you know, they had cadets that were ready to go do that, and they had uh, groups, I guess, in Louisiana and Texas that were ready to do that. But I missed it all because I was in school at Fort Knox. But anyway, I thought about Bradley years later. There's also a room dedicated to him at the military academy, which I used to go study in. Yes, I used to study and I thought about him a couple of years later when I was working at the Pentagon. And in the Pentagon, this, this was prior to 9-11. So I remember walking around the building and the corridors and everything and thinking, you know, it's really cool to be walking in the place where Bradley walked and Patton walked and Eisenhower walked and all these famous men who were, who were generals whose whose lives, of course, and whose careers I respected. And I remember thinking at that time, you know, what would it be like to have been here during a war footing? What would it be like to have been in the Pentagon, you know, when every day was wrapped around fighting, you know, like World War II or the Korean War? Because when I was there in, this was 2000, 99, 2000, it was just a very relaxed place, to be honest. You could walk up, you could knock on the window of the Pentagon, if you want to say hello to somebody, um, you know, they had a, a shopping mall kind of there that you could come up inside. I think they stopped where, you know, normal civilians could, could come in. But it was still like a shopping area. It was very relaxed. The metro came right up into the building. And I remember thinking, I wonder what it's like if something was to actually, you know, happen if we were to be at war. And, of course, uh, I was there on the morning of September 11th, 2001, 9-11. And everything did change, you know, on a dime. Um I remember at that time, and this is kind of, this is kind of, uh, I don't mean to be flippant about this, but the the guards that were there at the time, prior to nine eleven, were guys that were kind of like at the end of their career. Honestly, they weren't in great shape, and I remember remember this one guy, this one dude in particular. He was at the gate. I normally came in. He was, you know, he he was not all that in great shape, and. I remember 9-11 when I was came in the day after 9-11 because we continued to work there. They had given him this machine gun. <laughs> I remember thinking, that dude is more likely to shoot me than he is to chase me and run me down. So uh, within days, they brought in the Army. I think the 82nd came in and took over all the guard duties uh, at the Pentagon. And um, again, I could do another whole podcast about what happened then, uh, what happened that day, and some of the some of the amazing things that were accomplished in rebuilding the Pentagon and putting the army immediately 
not just the army, but putting our defense forces immediately back on war footing that day. Uh, I went back in that night to the Pentagon <clears throat> with some people and, uh, and we were just a small part of the, of the big wheel cog in the big wheel that, uh, that, that kept everything moving and everything running, but it was an amazing time. But anyway, that's what I want to talk about today. I wanted to just talk about uh, General Omar Bradley. And, and honestly, I did not know that it was his birthday. It's not something I don't have like a, you know, a shrine of Bradley in my house or anything. My wife, God bless her. Those of you that know what's going on, she's, she's still in the hospital, but she's improving in her, her mental facilities are, are getting better. She told me, she sent me a text this morning saying, you know, it's Omar Bradley's birthday, right? Because she knows that I, I like and respect him. And so she's the one that reminded me. So I can't take credit for, for knowing that it was Omar Bradley's birthday all by myself. But I do just want to say happy birthday to uh, General Bradley. And uh, he did influence my life in a good way and continues to do so. You know, I, I, uh, I've read a number of books. He, he wrote a couple of great books. Uh, a soldier story, and uh, it was used for the movie Patton, actually. But anyway, I'll get back to more spiritual things and more spiritual interviews. I hope you don't mind that little departure from uh, my normal podcast, but I just had to share that today. Thank you. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.